Jennifer Hambrick, midday host of Classical 101, WOSU Public Media in Columbus. I'm John Sherman, Associate Professor of Film at Kenyon College. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reels, Classical 101's film music podcast. The American Sound continues its summer festival of American film music with some music from John Crigliano's phenomenal score for the film The Red Violin. This film should feel more like an episodic story, but it doesn't, and I think that's due to the unity the musical score provides the story. This film is directed by the Canadian filmmaker François Girard and written by Girard and Don McKellar. John Carigliano's score for The Red Violin received the Academy Award and also awards from the Chicago Film Critics Association, the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television, and Quebec Cinema. One of America's most acclaimed composers, John Carigliano is actually best known for his concert music, which likewise has received countless accolades, including the Pulitzer Prize for Carigliano's Second Symphony and also five Grammy Awards. The Red Violin really is, I think, one of the most interesting and visually stunning films on a musical theme out there. The film charts the story of an ill-fated violin as it cycles through three centuries and through some extremely fateful moments in time. The violin story begins in Cremona, Italy in the 1600s, the place and time in which the great real-life violin makers Antonio Stradivari and Giuseppe Guarneri lived. In the film, the fictional violin maker Niccolo Buzzotti's wife, Anna, dies in childbirth. Niccolo is so grief-stricken that he varnishes the violin he was working on at the time of his wife's death with some of her blood. The rest of the film sees the violin transported in a series of episodes through the centuries and from place to place, where everyone who comes in contact with the instrument suffers an extremely harrowing fate. And you know, this principal narrative of the violin's journey really has, I want to say, almost a Groundhog Day sort of feel, although it's definitely not funny. But the stories of the characters in each of the violin's episodes just all end in doom again and again and again. Yeah, I really appreciate the scope of this film and how it's almost structured like a thriller. You see the violin at the auction house at the beginning of the film, so you know that it will survive. And you know that when the violin comes up for auction, there's a delay before the wall turns and reveals the violin. You suspect that something is not quite above board, and perhaps this isn't the real violin that's going to come up for sale. I'm not going to give too many spoilers away, but <laughs> you don't find out until the end of the film what actually happened, and it's a remarkably satisfying ending when it does. Yes, I think it's actually kind of a perfect ending. Actually, I have a question for you. You, uh, you, you. you mentioned that the film is almost structured like a thriller. Then you say you see the violin at the auction house at the beginning of the film, so you know it will survive. So is that kind of a, a sort of genre signifier of the thriller? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, in film noirs, you will get a flashback that starts off the film, so you kind of know what's happening. You know what's going to happen at the end from the beginning of the film, and the journey is about how do we get there more than it is, well, what happened? So we know that the violin is going to survive to be sold at the auction house, but we don't know exactly how or if it's indeed the violin. <laughs> sure, okay. One of the things that I find most interesting about the red violin is the unique way in which the musical score reinforces the cyclicity of the film's narrative. From just a musical standpoint, you can almost read the structure of the principal narrative similarly to a musical theme and variations. So you can liken the initial conflict of the film, that the violin maker's wife dies in childbirth and her blood is forever painted on the violin he was finishing up at the time of her death, with the theme or the main melody, 
of a theme and variation set. And then each episode of the film can be experienced as a variation on the theme in the same way that musical variations are manifestations of the sort of basic ideas of the theme itself. The main musical theme of the score is Anna's theme, which we hear for the very first time as the underscore for a sequence that first shows Anna in labor, then Anna dead in bed, then Niccolo making a cut in one of Anna's arms and draining some of her blood into a vial, then pouring the blood into a container of varnish in his violin workshop, then brushing the violin with the bloody varnish. It's, it's an extremely dark sequence visually and emotionally, and it lasts about five minutes. We'll listen to just a bit of Anna's theme now, and you'll hear that the theme begins by being hummed on screen by Anna, and then a solo violin takes over. The violinist, by the way, is the phenomenal Joshua Bell. I guess I would just like to point out how much Anna's theme gives this film a structure in a way that the score from The Magnificent Seven, the film we looked at last week, doesn't. When a character has their own musical theme, it's another way to give the character a kind of dramatic development that you would normally associate with a screenplay. The Magnificent Seven is an ensemble piece, but you don't get to know any one character enough that Elmer Bernstein was able to provide them with a musical theme. That's an indication of a lack of individualization of character, and it comes back to haunt you in the end when you're trying to create a sense of dramatic catharsis. This film is building up to the ending the whole movie through its use of score and provides a much more satisfying dramatic conclusion in my mind than we actually saw in The Magnificent Seven. Hmm, very interesting. Okay. theme. Now we'll talk about and take a listen to some of the variations, if you will, in both the musical score and the plot of the Red Violin. The violin makes its way to an orphanage in Vienna in the 1700s, the place and time in which Mozart lived. This episode features a violin child prodigy, Kaspar Weiss, who has been brought by two of the religious brothers running the orphanage to audition for an important music teacher. The young Kaspar plays a variation on Anna's theme that is very much in the style of Bach, and the instrument he plays is the red violin, which one of the brothers says the orphanage has had for a hundred years. Kaspar meets a sad fate, and eventually the violin ends up with a band of gypsies, and Anna's theme is heard in a gypsy-style variation. (laughs) 
Then the violin turns up in England in the 1800s and in the hands of a sort of demonic violin virtuoso figure reminiscent of the real-life violin virtuoso Niccolo Paganini. I'd like to play for you a new composition. That character's name is Frederick Pope. Which came to me recently. In a moment of inspiration. In this scene, he is improvising a virtuosic solo violin work very much in the style of one of Paganini's solo violin caprices. Listen for Anna's theme here amid all the fast notes. Again, here is Anna's theme providing the film with the kind of narrative glue that the screenplay wouldn't ordinarily have had. The narrative glue holding each episode of the film together is the presence of the red violin. This film should feel more like an episodic story, but it doesn't, and I think that's due to the unity the musical score provides the story. Hmm. Yeah, and, and the score really is providing unity on a deep structural level Absolutely. with the sort of theme and variation thing that's going on here. Yeah, we're jumping all over the world and through time, and yet you don't get confused because, mm -hmm. A, the presence of the violin, but the score really grounds the film. also makes its way to 20th century China during the Cultural Revolution, and the Chinese government sends it to present-day Montreal, where all throughout the film there is a second narrative running concurrently with the principal narrative of the violin's fateful life and history. And I really don't want any spoilers here, so we'll just kind of leave it at that, but suffice it to say that the film has kind of, I, I think, a perfect ending. thing about the music in the red violin because there are so many scenes in this film in which characters actually play the violin on screen John Crigliano had to compose Anna's theme and all of the other music performed on screen before the actual filming then while the film was being shot he wrote the red violin chaconne for violin and orchestra the chaconne is the perfect form for a concert work based on some of the material from the film score because the chaconne is really a cyclical musical form it's based on a theme that repeats again and again with different kinds of figuration above or around it. So Carigliano's Red Violin Chaconne is a cyclical musical work that really is kind of a microcosm of the structure of the cyclical nature of the film's narrative and its musical score, all in a single piece of music, which I think is not only pretty cool, I think it's actually brilliant. Yeah, yeah. What's also interesting to me is that the score for the film we looked at last week, The Magnificent Seven, was meant to give that film a more epic sweep than the visuals of the film necessarily had. Ultimately, 
That film feels a little bit more compact and a smaller story, despite the composer's best intentions. Here we have a film that I thought had a more compact score, and yet, to me, this is the one that had the more epic sweep in its storytelling and more narrative unity. I think it's a lot of that's due to Anna's theme mm. and the structure of the score. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Well, such a statement to the power of music and what it can do in a film. Jennifer Hambrick, midday host of Classical 101. I'm John Sherman, associate professor of film at Kenyon College. We leave you with John Carigliano's Red Violin Chacon for Violin and Orchestra. Join us for the next episode of Sound Reels. Check that out at wosu.org slash classical 101 podcasts. And also enjoy more great film music during the American Sound's Summer Festival of American Film Music. Catch the American Sound Saturday evenings at 6 and Tuesdays at 7 on Classical 101 and streaming at wosu.org slash classical 101.